Welcome to the voice of MPE, the official podcast of Merchant Payments Ecosystem, Europe's largest merchant payments conference. Today, we're at the 15th annual MPE conference, MPE 2022. In these podcast series, we bring you interviews with payments industry leaders and professionals from the entire world. For more information, head over to www.merchantpaymentsecosystem.com. In this episode, we'll talk about the different ways enterprise merchants can manage payments and define the key capabilities that make a successful payment strategy with your host, Melisande Muval. So we are here today in Berlin at the MPE 2020 conference doing a special podcast with two MPE speakers, Sam Langsford, Group Payments Inbound Specialist from Inca Group, also known as IKEA, and Peter Tonis, Head of Payments at Endava. So Sam, could you please tell us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. So thank you for the introduction, Melissande, and thanks for inviting me onto the podcast. As you said, yeah, I'm working for the inbound payments team in Inca Global Treasury. That is IKEA. It's not exactly everywhere IKEA operates, but we are the largest franchise of the IKEA brand. So it's the whole of Europe and North America, Canada, Australia, Japan, India, China. What I've done before that is national roles in the UK and Ireland, principally doing the same thing, but mixed around with a little bit of risk management roles and business transformation as well. So a little bit of context on what we're trying to achieve now with payments helps me to really understand the impact on the business. So that's what I'm trying to achieve now with Inca. Lovely. And Peter? Yeah, Peter Turnis. First of all, thank you for having us here. I'm head of payments EMEA for Endava. Endava is a software development company that develops bespoke software. And about 50% of our revenue goes into payments and mainly even in acquiring payments and merchant payments. My background, I'm 25 plus years already in this market. And I was yesterday evening thinking about it. I was at the first MPE in Brussels so many years ago. So that makes me a veteran. So, I will say I am <laughs> the best the industry veteran or an experienced person, let's say. Now, within Endava, my role is leading the SME capability within EMEA, meaning we guide our customers before they go in development stage to define the scope and to productize what they want to have at the end. Well, Sam, we spoke about it earlier, but I'm publisher of the papers, and so we speak with a lot of solution providers. What I hear a lot is, well, our solution, we have one API, super simple, we can integrate within a week, enabling new payment methods is a matter of hours, and they even show it to me. So I'm very much impressed, but I learned that reality is a bit more complex for tier one merchants. So tell us a bit more about the complexity that global omni-channel merchants face when managing payments. Yeah, sure. It's something that I was very keen to mention on the panel here at MPE this year, because as I've discovered, it's not something that's widely known or at least acknowledged amongst the industry, just how complex it is for a merchant. And I'm talking about a tier one merchant who's mixing bricks and mortar with an e-commerce solution. And maybe they've got a legacy systems infrastructure that is a little bit older and more fragmented than we would like. So from that perspective, yes, it is really complicated because we've got that ecosystem that I talked about. It's not delicate necessarily. It's not fragile, but you just want to preserve what you have because every change you make makes change next time just that little bit more difficult, gives you something more to maintain in the future. So is the value coming from the proposition that makes all of that worthwhile? 
you've got a lot of stakeholders to consider. So nowadays we talk about instead of the, the value added from data solutions and reporting, now that's much more of a hygiene factor. So it's something that we need to preserve from what we have today that's put at risk by adding a new element to the ecosystem. So we've got data scientists that are very keen to make sure that we don't upset the apple cart. We've got digital teams that have got far beyond their means stretched resources and we're coming to them with ambitions and they're already backlogged with things that are demanded by regulation changes or business critical needs that, that mean we fall way down the pile in terms of priority order. So yes, something may be simple on paper, but once you get to the practicalities of it all, it is very, very complex. And then that's even before you've considered what cost you're adding to the mix as well. Because yeah. in this day and age, nobody gets away with adding cost without a real heavy scrutiny. IKEA is a global company. That, like, What is the number of retail, how many point of sales do you have globally? And sort of what is the size of the operation? Honestly, I don't even know the answer to that question. We have a lot of different markets, some of which we're closer to than others. And I guess it's an indication of how difficult it is that the first question you have to ask sometimes is, well, how many points of sale do we have to put this new solution onto? Mm -hmm. You have to discover the answer to that question before you can move even further forward. And it's a situation we're facing challenges in today when we're doing something, for example, as, as simple as onboarding a new acquirer. We separate acquiring from PSP, so the, the mm -hmm. potential for changing acquirer is in theory a bit more simple. But even in that deconstructed way, it takes us so much time to be able to do it still. For example, just concluded an acquiring tender for Pan Europe. And in one market, we're looking at a new contract relationship with a new acquirer that has the potential to save us hundreds of thousands of euros a year. We cannot integrate that contract for at least six months to a year, despite the fact that it's got clear commercial advantages. And that's because of all the backlog in resources and the conflict with stakeholders that I previously mentioned. The data science and other... Yeah, all of these boxes that you have to check even before you consider the benefits of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, so Sam gave a couple of examples of the complexity uh, that you have to manage with dealing with multiple stakeholders across multiple regions. Can you weigh in with some other examples of, you know, the complexity that enterprise merchants have to deal with? Yeah, one of the most common complexities these days is the omni-channel acceptance. Before a merchant was, or he was an e-commerce merchant, or he was a brick-and-mortar merchant, but also due to COVID, this boundary totally disappeared. And I think, like IKEA was typically a brick-and-mortar now, I don't know what the percentage is, but they have a huge, probably a huge percentage extra in e-commerce. E-commerce then, again, you have to split up the traditional e-commerce with the mobile commerce. So that means that you also need to support uh, checkout mechanisms on a mobile phone. So the youth today is not even looking anymore on their web browser, on their laptops, or you have apps to support. So that is becoming already much more complicated. Taking that all together, then you need to look into fraud. Is the person that wants to do the transaction really the person? And with the modern techniques like what we call taking a digital fingerprint of the device that you're supporting, is that person always ordering with mobile phone or with a website? Does he do any strange behavior? All of this has been taken into equation these days because every transaction that a merchant launches to the PSP or the acquirer is a tick in the box and costs money. So they want to save money by preparing that transaction to the best ability before moving it over to the PSP or acquirer. In the panel yesterday, you spoke about payment optimization. How do you define 
payment optimization? What are the different components on it? And you touched upon it earlier. What is the data part of the optimization? The payment optimization, in a lot of cases, you think that transactions go well and so on. But there is, these days, a lot of data captured. And this, this data is even shared or can be shared with issuers because the card issuers who need to approve the transactions, they want as much as possible data to authorize with the lowest risk a transaction. And what sometimes sees as a riskful transaction by delivering some additional data that only the merchant at the end can capture and the merchant can deliver that to the issuer then the issuer has a number of data points extra to say, oh, this transaction is really an, a good mm -hmm. one and we can approve it. So also this orchestration of that part will take more and more place in these days. And you see vendors coming in this space who are looking to more data points and looking to how to limit also the risk of the issuer, even when the transaction happened at the merchant side. And other parts of payment optimization, I mean, there's definitely the checkout the checkout, uniform checkout. If you sometimes hear that people have different acquirers and then for every acquirer, they have a typical different checkout page. Yeah, for a lot of people that want to buy goods, it looks like phishing or a fraudulent attempt. So they will go away from the website. And the most expensive what can happen for an online retailer is that somebody goes away on the moment that he needs to pass the pay button. Others in optimization is also what happens when you're going to do a split transaction. You have a voucher from the shop and you want to do that together with the payment. How are you going to register that? It's not only the optimization to approve it, but more important in that case is the reconciliation of it. If you only see the transaction data that goes to the acquirer and you use that for reconciliation, what happens with the voucher? How can you know that the voucher has been used how can you know that the voucher is not used again a second time or a third time? So all of that, this optimization, to my idea, you have to see this is the technical means, but also the business optimization. And that is clearly a separate part of, of the whole chain. And Sam, you mentioned that before, the sort of knowing what the strategy of the group is. If you take that into account, what is on your wish list in payments? What are sort of the capabilities that are key for your payments that, that you would like to develop? I guess it's an interesting question because I get asked this a lot and the honest answer is we don't always know what we want. I personally don't know what we want because it's coming from a, a different part of our internal structure. So you would have to have a workshop, you would have to have an internal call to understand whether something that is on the table is something that we actually desire to implement. And that's even before we've begun to consider the complexities that I just talked about. So, I mean, an example is from a panel that I just sat in. We're hearing that in one of the markets we operate, there's a major growth in mobile provider for um, customer uptake. And the natural reaction to that is we should be accepting that mobile provider um, method. But it's not that simple because is that mobile provider going to give us the incremental sales that offset the costs that we would have to incur to accept it? That's the basic principle of a business case. But what we don't consider in the business case is all of the difficulties of getting it onboarded. Can we do it in one day? No, of course we can't. How long does it take? How much resources is it going to cost us to do that? What are we going to have to forego to do this instead? So all of these things considered, then we need to really think about, it's not just the case of the market is telling us what we want. We have to weigh it up against what we could have instead. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's often a case of, well, 
it looks appealing, but do we really know what we want? I'm not sure any merchant can ever honestly answer that question until they've actually seen the back-end implications of making such a change. So I guess from my perspective, if I keep it simple and high level, what do I want? I want to do what we do today better, faster, more convenient for the customer and cheaper for the business to operate. Is there any solution out there that does all of this? Possibly. I think it's probably something that we're on a long-term journey to get to because as Peter said, it's about business optimization first so before you're even talking about payments optimization. So we need to take steps to be ready for whatever we want. And that's the long journey. We're on that journey. I can say out loud that we're already on that journey and we have been for a long, long time. And what that looks like changes because in the middle of your long journey, something short-term comes up, which is not just an ambition or a want, it's a regulatory change. It's a business supplier that's exiting the market and you're, you're suddenly left without a payment provider, that kind of thing. So you never actually get to the point where you complete that business optimization journey. You're just bolting on a little more to it each time and trying to chase your tail to keep it not even just running to stand still, but as far away from where you are today to something better as you possibly can. And it's a constantly evolving journey. So what I want is to improve things faster in the long term, but also deliver our goals in the short term when they arise. And what if you would have the opportunity to sort of build from scratch in a way? So there's no legacy. There's just, you know, you would start from scratch. And you mentioned two things. Speed, basically being able to respond to changes in the market, offering that new mobile payment method. You mentioned cost, making sure that you have the best performance and the lowest cost per transaction in what you do. What would be capabilities that you would be really keen to have in your payment step? I think it would be the antonym of what I just said exactly. So to be able to have something set within your base level infrastructure that allows you to move fast when the market changes. So it's not something that's just effective from day one. And then you're back to chasing your tail again in the long term. It's something that can be agile and evolves as the industry evolves. So we're not just waiting for a new APM to arise. We're almost uh, developing it with the market as well. We're doing something internal. Maybe that's something that's on like a dream list. But if you were starting from scratch, it would be much more attainable. Yeah. Where can you start? If you're working with this legacy operation and you have basically what you have now, but you want to make steps on the short term and you can't build from scratch. You have the, basically your current legacy systems. The times are over that you can do a kind of massive transformation, defining the requirements today, deliver in two years, and then seeing that the market totally has changed to another way. So I think there are today techniques like agile techniques where you, the business and IT work constantly together and always adapt to market circumstances. Now, the basic to do that is to have a good basic platform. If your foundation is not ready to be agile, then the rest can also not be agile. And once you have this foundation ready, I think in today's market, and also Sam confirms that everything is always based on business cases, you can hook in these platforms, these agile platforms, function new functionalities that are needed. But all the time you go back for us as an IT provider to the businesses, is this backlog still your most prioritized yeah. item or did your business change? And I think that's a huge difference than a number of years ago. I was involved in massive transformation programs. After five years, often banks came out to the conclusion that what I had 
the new thing that I had was not even better than the one before. And I think that lesson should be learned or is learned by merchants to really approach, embrace this agile way of working. And then at the end, you will see, you will get a new platform over time, but it is not a big bang migration. It's, yeah. it's a constant journey where business and IT align. And for me, that's the biggest difference. Before you had a business silo and you had an IT silo and they had most of the time fights because the one had to pay for the other, the other had to deliver what they wanted and so on. But now taking these agile methodologies, they work together and it's a common goal. It's not anymore a goal of IT or business. It's a company goal. Thanks, Peter. And thanks, Sam. Have a wonderful rest of this event. Thank you. And have a safe travel back. Thanks for tuning in to the official MPE podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the show and check out our video interviews with other industry leaders on YouTube. For more content, follow Merchant Payments Ecosystem on LinkedIn and Twitter, read our Positivity Magazine, and subscribe to the MPE newsletter at www.merchantpaymentsecosystem.com.